Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome <clears throat> to the WBRX Wake Up Call Monday morning. It's always, uh, for Sean and I, it's just a pleasure and honor to be able to check in with you guys. It's our opportunity in the morning to huddle up. We've got a great group on the phone this morning and always appreciate you guys taking the time to tune in. It, it kind of gives us a little bit of feedback and insight as to, you know, th those folks that are that are ready to go, you know, as the weeks kind of get started. And I know we've just come off of a of a you know great Father's Day weekend, and uh, all of us probably in our own way, we're doing our own things, or you know, spending time with our kids, reflecting, uh, or maybe spending time with our fathers, or reflecting on those times that we did spend with our fathers. You know, so it's always um, it's always great. You know, this time of year, I, I really, if you were to ask me, what's my favorite time of year? <clears throat> even though I live in hot Houston, uh, the summertime is genuinely my favorite time of year. I, it's something about the the mindset and the attitude that kind of goes on this time of year. I think people, you know, tend to be, you know, you know they, they're just a little more, um, they're, they're able to kind of get out and do some things that they aren't always able to do. If their kids are in school, their kids are out of school. You know, my, my kids are all out of school, but they, all five of them have a genuine amount of, af, of, of activities that are going on. My son is probably the busiest of them all. He's at SAC. Uh, that's, um, you know, strength and conditioning, and they really put them through it here, at, you know, in his school district. And um, playing basketball, tournament basketball, and uh, also playing uh, seven-on-seven football. And I can tell you he's not, he's not really excited about it. It's just part of being an athlete, right? And, and I know that that kind of tips off the, the message for today. And, you know, I, I always tell people, listen, I, I want you to know, when, you know, when people make a decision to get involved in our business, I, I you know, we all have our own way of, of sharing the good news. We have our testimonial calls about the great results that people can really have and, and are getting with our products and, and genuinely the great results that they can have and are having with the business opportunity. That's just <clears throat> part of the business. It's, it's whoever it is that shares the most information and shares the most product wins. And that's just the truth. However, <clears throat> the, the challenge is always <clears throat> individually and personally what, what we're, you know, the energy and the mind share and the effort to, that goes into sharing that information. And, uh, you know, if, you know, sometimes we, you know, we have a day where, you know, we, it's, we're not on point. Uh, emotionally, we're distracted. All distractions are equal. Uh, but it's always these inner challenges and these inner fights that we go through that prevent us from taking part of the action necessary to have the activity required to have the results. And I've often told people that, you know, thoughts determine what you want, but it's action that determines what you get. And, and I know that that seems to be so fundamental and so easy, but the truth of the matter is, is whatever is easy to do is also easy not to do. And, and I can tell you right now, just by looking at my quick review of everybody that we have on the line here uh, this morning, is there's not one person on this call that's not capable of going out and having really anywhere from success to exceptional success in, in this business. Because the only characteristics that define success in our business are the level of desire that somebody has, their willingness to do the things required, and, and, and whether they're teachable, whether they have decent aptitude, you know, whether they're able to learn some basic steps and then, and then basically 
wash, rinse, and repeat and do those things over and over and over. And in the process of doing them over and over, you, you tend to get better. And, and really, that's the, that's the hardest part of, of, of this business. It's so counterintuitive. I was having some great conversations with, um, you know, with some, some parents that you know, m- most of the people who I'm around uh, in my community are, are, are men and women that basically work for wages. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. These people work in gas and oil. Um, you, you know, they, they, they all have jobs. And I'm a bit of an anomaly to them in, in the neighborhood that I live in because um, they know that I, you know, basically uh, own my own business. You know, I, I create my own – my report card is not that of what somebody else determines is good or bad for me. It's, it's the marketplace, right? And so all of us on this call share that together. That the unique thing about those of us on this call is that we're here because we choose to be here, not because we have to be here. And I want to tell you, if someone were to ask me, does that make you different, uh, the answer is absolutely. You're, you're very different than the majority of people that are out there. Most people respond and report and do what's required because they're paid to do what's required. And that is not, that is not the group of folks on this call right now. And I've often said to people, you know, whether we're in meetings or environments where we all get together, you know, you, you're very different. You, you're very different. And, and I, here's what makes you different. And, you know, you can refer to information that's out there. I, I mean, I'm just sharing with you. You know, when you look at, at what we call the cash flow quadrant, and, and it's in a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. I didn't create this. You, you, the majority, the vast majority of people basically are, have, are and have accepted the concept of accepting the idea of exchanging time for money, okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's, I mean, working for wages is a noble thing. It creates a living. Uh, it puts people into a circumstance where they're taking care of basic responsibilities. I completely understand that. I really do. Um, I, I just have been, in a, uniquely enough, in a in, uh, situation for the last, really, uh, you know, 40 years of my life. I'm going to be, you know, 60 where I've just never been an employee, except that of the, an employee of my own company. I've never, I've never had to go out and, and, and get a job because I, I just never did. I mean, when I was a young guy out of school, uh, I, I, you know, I worked at, you know, I, I was an assistant baseball coach. I uh, basically, um, you know, drove limousines, and I worked at a health club for about six months. And from that point forward, after that, I started training people on my own. And I've never, I've never been, I've never been an employee for anybody else. I've done, uh, you know, I, I've done some consulting with other companies and some field development work, but that was all based on what we call 1099 income. And every, every, every moment that I've spent in this industry of direct sales and, uh, you know, what we refer to as network marketing, it's all been 1099 income or W2 income that I created for a company that I own myself. So I've never. So my, my um, report card for the last, you know, 40 years has been the marketplace. It's never been what somebody else determines I can or can't do. I've never been in a position to be fired, except, you know, except for me firing and rehiring myself, you know, which, which we kind of we laugh at, you know, in, in terms of what we can do in this business. So, so I don't really have as much of a gauge on the wage element, as, as some of you on the phone do. Okay, I just don't. But I can tell you that if you look and you study at, at, at the vast variety of people in our country, 
The vast majority of people accept the idea of working for somebody else because that's what they were kind of taught they should do. I mean, my parents told me, Barry, go to school. Man, get yourself a, a, a good, you know, go to school, get an education. For, you know, as long as, and, and fortunately for me, I could throw a ball. And because I could throw a ball, I was able to get a, a scholarship and go play baseball. But if it wasn't for that, I would not have gone to college. I, there was no money in my family for me to have had that opportunity. And at that time, you know, going way back, there weren't as many free grants and free money opportunities. And it just wasn't that. It wasn't in my, my situation, right? So uh, the only opportunity that I had was basically I was looking at two different things. I was looking at going into the military at, or uh, a, a baseball scholarship coming to fruition. And, and that was going to determine – that was the fork in the road that was going to determine the outcome of, of my future – and as it turned out for me, I was able, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to, you know, to have gotten that scholarship. I went and played baseball in California, and, and that changed the ultimate direction of my life. But, but having said that, I, I got to tell you that most people, when they sit back and they look at their life, we all kind of do what we think we're supposed to do based upon standards and ideas in the environment that we grew up in. And I grew up in that very same environment. My dad was a military guy. And the idea of getting a good education in the event that I could do that by way of playing a sport and getting a scholarship was fantastic to him. And, and then getting myself into a position of getting a good job. And I told you, I just, you know, my first right out of college, you know, I was hired on as an assistant baseball coach at, at, uh, at uh, Cal State, first at Mission College and then Cal State Northridge. And my dad was, was delighted. He said, man, you're going to be in line for a head baseball coach job, no problem. And then, and then beyond that, you know, just doing some side things and to make a little bit of money to pay, you know, to, just to pay the bills until that time came where I could start getting paid better. But what I did is I looked out and I said, wait a minute. You know, I love the idea of getting out and I love the idea of, of baseball and coaching. But, man, even if I get a head baseball coach at a major university, my, my opportunity to generate revenue is very limited. And that was a, an important factor for me. That's not important for everybody. I've, I really have come to terms with that. As I look out, I think the vast majority of these parents in the neighborhood that I live in, they, they say, okay, here's how much the job will pay. And, you know, most cases in this neighborhood, there's their mom and the dad are both working. And uh, they, they collectively bring home their revenue. And they take care of their kids financially. They do very well <clears throat> as compared to most people. I think that the average income around here is probably about half a million a year. And they live in a nice home, and they, they live their life. And, th and that's what people do. And that in the cash flow quadrant, that's the employee, that's the wage quadrant, and that's where most people live, okay? Now, every once in a while, you've got people that, you know, kind of dabble into something like what we're talking about here, where, where they become an independent contractor, they, they are a business owner, a small business owner. And, and they, they're still, some, to some degree, they're exchanging time for money, but at least they have the decision-making and the freedom to determine what they want to do uh, and, and then be able to, you know, take care of their responsibilities, but they're working for themselves. And, and I have such admiration for people in this space, okay? That's – I really do. I mean, I run a small business uh, when I owned a health club and a physical therapy practice. It's a small business. And as a distributor – uh, for a period of time, that business was small, and then it got pretty large very quickly. And my um, my whole dynamic of what of what I was exposed to in my life changed drastically because everything became very counterintuitive. 
I started my, my first, you know, uh, adventure into owning a, a small business was me as a distributor, and then I started developing a team, and then that team started developing a team, and the team got larger, and it expanded beyond the United States into Europe, and then it, it, it completely exploded. Now, that was my story. That's not everybody's story, but it happened for me that way. Well, there were things that I had to do before it it went into hyper growth, but at least for me, I went through this counterintuitive experience. I went through this experience where I was working extremely hard. I mean, when I say extremely hard, it's all relevant, right? I mean, there are people that obviously worked a lot harder than me, but I was working, you know, I was was 530 in the morning to 8 o'clock in the evening guy. Um, and, um, you know, I was pulling in and living in Southern California, about 150000 a year and justifying my existence, and if you tried to come and talk to me about another opportunity, I was never open to it because I could justify the fact that I own my own business. And there's a lot of people that, that stay in that small business category, and they justify it for any number of different reasons. I certainly did. Most people I find justified because they love what they're doing. They love what they're doing, and they'll stay right there. They don't want to look around. And I loved, I did love what I was doing. I was taking people from one area of fitness to the next. Uh, I had great relationships with a lot of people that a lot of people didn't have relationships with in the entertainment and executive world. And there are a lot of people that looked at my situation. They thought, oh, my gosh. And then as the years went on, I started to recognize that I was working very hard, but I was really never getting ahead financially And frankly, that was the very reason I became a small business owner to begin with. That's the reason I decided not to work for the, quote, security of wages, which everybody believes are security in, until they get fired or displaced or whatever. And and I think that I've learned that most people working corporate America, uh, you know, have about, you know, eight careers, five, you know, five to eight, five different jobs or eight different careers in their lifetime that they never anticipated or expected that they would. But my dad's idea was, Barry, go to school, get a good, get a good you know, education, and then get a good job. Well, the problem with that entire scenario is the vast majority of the people in this country that do that end up in a very you know, challenging uh, circumstance at age 65. The Internal Revenue Service tells us that 87% of the people in this country retire at age 65 with an average net worth of about $6,800. Basically broke having the state and the government uh, depending upon them to take care of their needs, which is not a good bet today if it's Social Security or, or, or uh, another means of, of uh, you know, a payment from the state. We just don't know what that's going to look like. So people aren't geared to learn to think differently. They're learned to think the way that I, I was thinking, I think. I was thinking go to school, get a good education, find yourself a good job, and the counterintuitive perspective is own your own business oh, I don't know if I could own my own business. I don't know if I could, you know, learn how what to do or what's required or the money required to start my own business. There, there are people today that will gladly take the money that they've saved and go out and buy uh, something from, you know, the audio. They'll, they'll buy a, a television, a flat screen TV. They'll buy a number of different items to take care of their entertainment needs but, or they'll plan their vacation far better than they'll ever plan their lives. And, and that's just the mindset that we live in. We go to work, we work hard, we come home, we got to have some time to chill, relax with our families. And so that's where people stay. And, and then there, there are people economically that are doing extremely well that think totally different. And they don't mind that the vast majority of people stay in that place because it gives them the opportunity that they have. 
So you've got that cash flow quadrant of the vast majority of folks that just work for wages, and they're exchanging time for money. And there's no, and believe me, the employers and the people that are uh, experiencing financial independence and wealth have no problem with people doing that. They justify it. They think it's great. It's noble. And, and then every once in a while, you'll find someone who says, "Well, wait a minute. I don't just want to. I don't just want to exist in life. I want to. I want to live life in a, in a more full way." I see how some people live. They're living uh, phenomenal lives. They're able to pick and choose where they go, when they go, and how they get there. They're not dependent upon everybody else. What are they doing? This, these are questions I've always asked. And, and, and every once in a while, something stimulates their mind and their heart and, and who they are, and they look for ways to accomplish more and not just stay in that situation. And it's a number of different things that come into play. Remember, they're going to have to go counterintuitively against everything that they were taught unless they came from financial wealth. If you come from financial wealth, if your family has established good wealth, then they probably have a set of standards and principles and values that are very different than those that have not been in that situation. I was not fortunate enough to be in that circumstance. Nothing wrong with my parents, good people, but they learned from their parents who also did not come from financial wealth and independence. And their principles in, in line with what's required to accomplish that were never taught to them, and they were never taught to me. And I never learned them in school. Had, had they, had they uh, given me an opportunity to take Wealth Development 1, Wealth Development 2, and Wealth Development 3, I would have taken all three classes. I can promise you, as a kid going to school, I would have taken all three of them. But nobody offered that opportunity. So I had to, as we all have to in most cases, go out there and start making decisions and choices and look around and see who and what we're looking at, you know, the people that are out there accomplishing great things, what can we do? What is our potential? What is our growth opportunity? Can we find ourselves in the right place at the right time? Can we put ourselves into a circumstance where we can learn these ideas and principles? And so you have people that will break out that cash flow quadrant of just being a wage earner into being a small business owner. And then you have some that, that learn the ideas and the principles required to not just be uh, a small business owner, but to, be, to own a larger business, to, to have a bigger business. For me, I was fortunate that I had a team that grew from just a few folks into over 33,000 distributors, and I was the beneficiary of a large network. And I tell you that it wasn't all me. I was just a person who submitted and put myself into the situation where I could experience the possibility, and then I went through my own personal development. I, was, I started to recognize the principles of the things I needed to improve on in myself. And we talk about those things. We talk about the fact that there are specific steps to becoming a, a network marketing professional and to, to treat it like a profession, not to treat it like a hobby. And once you define the skills required, and we've talked about those skills in many instances because every business requires skills. But going from a small business owner to a big business owner in our space really requires, uh, like any profession, like any profession, that you refine your skill set. And that's the beginning of the change. It was for me. It wasn't just living and existing in the possibility of the business model. It was saying, oh, wait a minute. What are the things that people do? What are the common denominators? Success always leaves clues. What are the people doing to consistently have success in any profession? And what are they doing in this direct sales network marketing space? 
And I, at a, at a long time ago, at probably 1993, 1994, I started to become an avid study of the skills required to make the business all it could be for me. Because I woke up one day and I realized in my own thinking, the idea of geometric progression is what got me into the business. It's what, it's what enthralled me. It's what I, when I recognized and I knew that if I worked 100 hours a week, I could never out-earn 100 people working one hour a week. That concept literally, it, it, it transitioned and revolutionized my life. I mean, it, 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 that idea burst on my consciousness and I never was the same. Well, then I started to realize, okay, I've got the right business model. Now, what do I have to do within the business model? What are the steps I need to take to ensure my long-term success? And we've talked about these different skills. And if you haven't written them down or if you haven't studied them, I just would really encourage you to do so. But the first skill is finding prospects, learning. It's a skill. It's not something that you have right now. Okay? Everybody tends to believe that they walk into this business with a collective group of people that's going to determine their outcome or success or lack thereof. That's not the case. Finding skills, much to my surprise, is in itself a skill. Okay, and what I recognize, and we've had, you know, there's a whole training that we do, and I won't elaborate on it too far, but very few people that end up earning a million dollars a year in this industry do it with the original group of people that were on their list as they started this business. And I started to realize, okay, if that's not true for all of the people that are in this industry, what are, what are the things I need to do to improve upon Barry in that skill? And then I went to work, and I started to realize there was much more to it that I could always be developing new prospects. I could always be creating new contacts. I could always be adding people to, um, to my list. I could always, I, I would never, there's, you never run out of people. There's, there's, there's more people out there that are, have never been spoken to or talked to about this business than there are that have. And that was, then that became my opportunity, and then it occurred to me, and it did burst on my consciousness, I could become financially independent by getting better at these skills. Finding prospects was the first skill. The second skill was learning how to effectively invite those prospects into various venues where they could see more because they've heard more. They could become exposed to more information. I had a great uh, meeting uh, recently uh, up in the office with Melissa, Melissa Riley, and I, and I just started sharing with her the, di the different components of, of the invitation of becoming good at inviting people. Most people, when they get involved in this business, they get so excited, they go out and they start just kind of throwing up over, all over everybody about all their excitement and their enthusiasm. There's nothing wrong with that, but you have to realize what you're trying to accomplish with each conversation. And, and I started to learn and refine because now I started to realize that, a, that if I'm sitting down and meeting with somebody, I'm probably not going to be the end-all, be-all, which is kind of what I thought I was. And then, and then, and then it re I realized it, it was not about being the source of the information. It was, not, it was not about Barry being the authority. It was not about me knowing everything there was to know and answer all the questions. That's what we all are programmed to believe determines our outcome of success. And then I got involved in this industry, and I started to recognize that the people that were having the massive success were really professional tour guides. There were people that were excellent at having the discernment to listen to somebody and to share enough information to get someone to hear more information in a different venue. So if I'm first involved in the business, the first thing I tell people to do is learn how to become a very 
effective person at inviting people to events. And look at your ratio. How many people are you talking to and how many people are coming to events? Now, I can tell you that we're very fortunate and blessed that in this company we have some phenomenal people, medical doctors, uh, you know, people that are very skilled at delivering information. My partner, Sean Baker, we have, we're just fortunate to have great venues and great meetings and great events. So all I've got to become is a person that's very effective at teaching other people how to invite and becoming better at the invitation myself and bringing more people to events because if the events are strong, and I do believe that this, in this particular company, with where we are today, with the advent and the increasing growth of, of our industry, with our products, with, with the timing of what's taking place in direct sales, with this new growth trend that's happening with people working from home, it couldn't be better. It's the best opportunity I've had in my entire career. And when I look at that, I go, oh, my gosh, okay, now what we need to do is kind of get people focused in on not delivering all the information. That happens over time. Every one of you on this line right now will become much more efficient and much more effective at learning all the information that's available with respect to the product and the business opportunity. I want to assure you that. It's just called repetition. I'm not a genius. My partner is not a genius. This is just repetition that you're listening to right now. It's all it is. Now, not everybody is willing to subject themselves to repetition and information over and over and over to learn things like that. I, I get the picture. Other people, that they, 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 you know, some people can't be bothered. <laughs> They'd rather hang out and do something else or choose a different career, or, you know, just chill. I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying for people that want to move through these different quadrants and go from being a small business owner to a big business owner and have a larger group of people and a bigger team, it's not about how effective you are. It's how effective you are helping other people become effective. And if you just focus in on teaching them the invitation, teaching them how to effectively invite people to these events, events are what move the, it moves the needle. We had an event on June 1st, and since that event, I can't begin to tell you the increase of the growth of new uh, brand partners, uh, the increase of growth of activity with the brand partners that have gotten involved. You know, I was talking to Melissa. She said, Barry, you know, I, was, I was going through invitation information. She goes, oh, I already have a couple people that have committed to coming. And I thought to myself, okay, now here's a person that probably has been out in the professional world doing various things, working for corporate America. And it, she just has, she, she maybe has come into the business with a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more understanding, and now we can just refine how we can, effectively go out and invite some of the medical doctors, some of the hiring entrepreneurs. This person right here who's already got some people that are, you know, kind of scheduled into that 29th meeting over at Paris, we can advance that from a couple people to five to seven, eight, ten people. Who knows? Once, the, once you start understanding the skill, and, I, and, and the skill of invitation is, number one, you know, don't spend a lot of time trying to convince people about the specifics of the business. Just focus them in. On, on the event. And the, the way that you do that is the second, number two, is place high value on the information that's going to be delivered and the people delivering it. So I always tell people, hey, listen, you know, I've you know, I, I got this little company going and pretty excited about it. We've had some good success in the past. But, man, you got to come listen to my partner. you got to listen to the information he's delivering. And this guy, you know, I met him 20 years ago. You should hear how effective he'll deliver this information. He's had great success, seven-figure guy. So they don't, they don't want to hear anything about what I have to say. They want to hear information about the people that are already involved. And I start telling them, hey, this guy is ex-combat vet. 
I mean, you know, was you know came from uh, corporate America, enterprise rent car, ran a big division in that company, medical doctors, and that's what really is appealing to them. It's not very kosher, even even though I could walk them through the cockpit. I could probably list every product that we have by ingredient. It's not going to be effective. No one's going to want to believe or think that they – no one's, no one's going to believe that they can do that or even want to try to do that. But everybody can certainly talk about the results that other people have had, bring them to a venue. And then the third thing is not – is give them an understanding. Listen, I don't let people believe that I'm trying to – if they don't – if they choose to get involved in this business, it's their choice. I'm going to sell them on their evaluation. And if they're not – keen on their evaluation, they're not who I'm looking for anyway. If they're not looking for a way to add additional revenue to their life, or they're not looking for a way to improve or to grow or to learn more about our products, they're, they're not the right candidate. All I'm looking for is people that can, at minimum, uh, look at a business and base it, on their own, base it on their own evaluation process. I tell people all the time, listen, this may not be for you, it may be for you. At minimum, you're going to come you're going to hear some phenomenal people. Uh, you know, you're going to have some good food, drink a little wine, and listen to some information. But you just might be a person like many of, the, many of those that are out there that listens to the information and it revolutionizes and changes their lives. I don't know. At minimum, it can be additional revenue, but it does merit, in my humble opinion, the timing and the opportunity of merits uh, of your evaluation. So if you would, let's just go ahead and schedule you to be there at 530 uh, on the 29th. And, and it's amazing how much easier it is to have that conversation than it is to walk people through all of the opportunities within CBD and this company, uh, Wellness Biosciences. It, it, it's not even – you're, you're talking about trying to create a positive conscious interrupt. And the only way to have a positive conscious interrupt is to start talking about information that, that is going to be attractive to the right people, okay? So that's really what we're focusing on in this moment. And then, of course, there's a number of other skills that, that, that are beyond this, right? You have the skill of presenting your product and, and your opportunity prospects. That you have the skill of following up with your prospects. You have the skill of helping your prospects become, uh, you know, either customers or brand partners, helping your new brand partners getting started correctly, Okay, the skill of promoting events, which is what, what we're kind of talking about here. So anything, that's, anything that is worthwhile takes time. I'm not telling you that you're going to learn this overnight whatsoever. What I am saying is that as you do this repetitiously, as you listen to, uh, you know, Dr. Jasani and Dr. Patel, as you listen to, uh, you know, potentially Dr. Elias Jackson, as you listen to potentially Dr. Ken Hollis, as you listen to skilled and, and more and more skilled. I, I have to tell you, we've got some phenomenal people in our business, guys. you got people like Gail Kinney. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed at what Gail's doing. I'm impressed at her professionalism. I'm, profess I'm, I'm, I'm impressed at her tenacity. I'm, I'm impressed at her growth. I mean, and, and, and those things come before, by the way, the results. Those are the things that – and I can see that she's taken an active role in, in focusing in on improving herself – and the results are the subset. They're the reason for these things to occur. And I get excited about that. I look at Michael Vander. I, I realize that Michael has, has been around our business for a time, and he's been doing a great service to his family. He's continuing to, you know, create revenue and various types of um, jobs that he, that he has. But he always has paid attention to the dream. 
He's always kept focused in on the opportunities. He knows and believes so fundamentally in our product, and he believes in the growth opportunity within the industry, and he recognizes, I believe in his heart, he recognizes the intent and the culture of our organization. So, so as he's going out and doing these things, you start to see positive results in, in a way that you can't describe. And so a small business owner can very quickly in our industry with our company and this opportunity become a bigger business opportunity for, for a bigger company. And then when you run a bigger company in this industry, guys, I will tell you that you then can move ultimately into becoming a professional investor. Now, people say, well, I never really want to become a professional investor. Well, maybe your, set, your standards and your goals for your family financially are, are, are not really what, what would be required to be in that situation. And, and, and a small business owner can often say, well, I just love what I do. I love what I do. Well, if you love what you're doing so much, if, if what you're doing is providing yourself and your family with all that you need, then that's what you probably should do. But if you're looking to really have a way to meet your, your values and your goals, the reason you became a small business owner is so that you could choose your own course. You could map out your own direction. You didn't have to answer to someone else. But what about having more time and more freedom with the people that you love? You know, I, I often give this example, and I'll conclude as I turn the call over to my partner. You know, my, uh, my grandmother spent the last uh, 11 years of her life in a senior care living facility, a little unusual. Uh, we wanted her to come live with us, and she, didn't, she wanted to be around folks that she could meet and talk with that, you know, were basically her own age. So from age about 83 to, uh, well, yeah, 83 to 94, that's where she lived until she passed this past December. And, and I, I say that to say that I often had conversations as I visited her over that last decade. And um, I talked to some of the folks that were, you know, they were cognitively capable of talking and all that. And, and I never had anybody that ever told me once that they were, um, that they looked back in reflection on their life about, you know, uh, about wishing that they would have gone out and uh, spent more time working. Not one time. I never had one person that said that. I had people tell me, you know, I, I, you know, I wish I would have spent more time with my loved ones. I wish I could have spent more time with the people that I cared about. And, um, boy, that was, that was impactful to me because I realized, you know what, that's, really, that's what this business model is all about, guys. There's a number of things that many of you on the phone could do in the way of creating revenue, transactionally, and otherwise that, that would probably lead you to a point of, of having more money for the time that you'd be spending right now. Very few things that you could do, okay, uh, in your careers, in your life, unless you're uh, talented and best, you know, you, you write, a, you write a, a, a great book or you, you have the talent to, you know, have a best, you know, number one hit on, on the radio or, or musical or whatever you may, you, you know, that would create royalties and income. Uh, but I can tell you in this business, most people create the foundation, spend the time and the energy for having the freedom and the time and the money. When I got involved in this business, I did so because of two things. I saw people that had a lot of time, uh, but they didn't have any money, wasn't interested. Saw a lot of people that had a huge amount of money, but very little time, wasn't interested. When I recognized the value of this business, I realized, oh my gosh, I could really have a meaningful relationship with my family. I could have more time and more freedom and have good, strong economic success. I had no idea it would be as strong as it was, right? And I have committed a tremendous amount of time, and we're definitely in a stage of our life now where it's really about legacy. But we, we, that happens as a result of us focusing in on other people 
and what they're looking to accomplish. So I just want to encourage you guys as you go out, uh, you know, through the course of today and this week, <clears throat> to continue to focus in on what you're looking to accomplish long term, and that'll definitely help you put into place the priorities required for your short-term goals. So with that, I'm going to turn the call over to my partner, Sean Baker. And I got to tell you guys, you know, about 20 years ago when Sean and I got together, I'm sure that he listened to some of this information similar to what you've heard uh, here, this e here this morning, not this evening, and I'm sure that some of it resonated to him and some of it, you know, may, may have been a, a, uh, a, a learning process over time, but he's got a lot of information he's gathered over, the la over, the, over these, all these years, <clears throat> you know, and everyone's story is different. So I just encourage you to take notes and listen carefully to what uh, Sean Baker has to say. So with that, Sean, I'm going to turn it over to you, brother. Go ahead. Hey, thanks, Barry, and good morning, everyone. Love these Monday calls, especially when they're so well attended. So I just want to start off by saying thank you guys for hopping on the call and giving us an hour to start your Monday. It, it's by by and large usually the best week of my life, uh, my, my best week of my life, best hour of my week. Uh, and I just thoroughly enjoy listening to the things. You know, as Barry said, I've heard some of this before, and some of it it, it feels like it's brand new, even though maybe I have heard it before. But it's a it is a fact, scientific fact, that most people learn through multiple, you know, reading and writing or reading and listening or, you know, multiple uh, modalities and that, that we all as human beings, I mean, not even human beings necessarily, but, but animals alike, mammals, you know, learn through that, that repetition. And I remember phases in my journey where, I, you know, I, I would have the audacity and I'm not talking about any of you guys, so if I offend anybody, please, please just let it go. Let it be water under the bridge because I'm not talking about you. But I remember telling Barry, oh, Barry, I can't make it to that meeting. I already, I've already heard that information. I've already seen that compensation plan. And it was just short-sightedness on my part and arrogance, to be, to be honest, to think that seeing it was the same as learning it and that learning it was the same as presenting it. Because believe you me, it's not. You know, having seen it from the back of the, of the, uh, the room, maybe while you're messing with your phone or talking to, your, to your, your, your buddy or your girlfriend to your left or to your right, you know, sitting in a presentation is not the same thing as learning the information. And then learning the information is assuredly not the same thing as being able to get up in front of a group of people, you know, whether it's five people, 50 people, or 500 people, and present that information and be responsible for their education and, and, frankly, for people's income. I mean, it wasn't until Barry one time told me, he said, hey, dude, because I got up in front of the room, I'll tell you guys, I have a, a weird sense of humor sometimes. Uh, many of you may know that. And I got up in front of the room, and I made a little bit of a, of a kind of an off-color healthcare joke, a little bit of a, a little bit of an inappropriate joke for the environment that we were in, you know. And, and I don't remember. I think it was Barry. It could have been someone else. But someone pulled me aside. They were very kind, and they were very gentle. But basically, said, "Hey, man, when you get up in front of the room, or you hop on a call, you know, and you make an off-color comment, or you tell kind of a, you know, maybe an offensive or kind of a dirty joke." which is what I did, you're messing or potentially messing with someone else's money. You know, so, so there is an example, and I'm just, I'm just picking somebody out of the blue. You know, at the last dinner we had, Michael Vandiver brought a young man named Abdullah. And Abdullah is a, you know, handsome, sharp, uh, articulate, uh, very professional, you know, good-looking young guy. I say young, I don't even know how old he is. He could be my age. He certainly looks younger than me. But, you know, just a sharp cat. And as we're engaging, he says to me, he says, you know, I said something, and I don't even remember how it came up. I have to get the story from him. But he says to me, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run for president of the United States. And I was taken aback because I could see in his eyes that he meant it. Like, like I've never had anyone – I've had people tell me 
well, I think I may get into politics or I have political aspirations. I mean, if any of you guys know Joseph Trahan, for God's sake, he knows every senator and congressman in the state of Texas, if not across the country. You know, and, and, but he's never said to me, I'm going to run for president. And Abdullah looked me right in the eyes and said, I'm going to run for president. And I was, I was taken aback. And I tell you, you know, I hope he does. I, I think that's exciting and encouraging. But if I get up in front of the room and I say something that, that is off-putting to Abdullah, now I know, look, I'm not, I'm not taking on the weight of the world. Not, we, not everyone's going to like me, and I'm not going to like everybody. But I need to be conscious that when I get up in front of the room, if I say something offensive or I say something off-putting to anyone in the room, let's just say Abdullah in this example, I'm now potentially affecting Michael Vandiver's paycheck. And so are each of you. And so there's just certain things that, that yeah, you may have heard the presentation. You might even know what, what the next slide is going to you know, pop up. You may even know when that slide pops up what Barry's going to say or what Sean's going to say. And that's good because now you're starting to absorb the information. But the next evolution, the next level would be picture yourself clicking the presentation slide. Don't worry about what Sean or Barry would say. Start thinking about what you would say if the, if the energy slide popped up. And I just said, hey, uh, you know, Michael, hop up here and present this one slide. Or, hey, Gail, you know, I know you have a great uh, testimony about balance and the meter dose inhaler. Why don't you come up to the front of the room and tell us about that? Now, I know Gail and Michael, I'm just picking on people that I know could do it, right? I've seen Gail present. I've heard Michael speak on these calls. But some of you, you know, we haven't heard your voice. We don't know your product testimonials. We don't know maybe the, the level of scientific education that you have and the information that you could share from the front of the room. You know, so those, that's the evolution of things. I and mean, I remember very vividly going from just presenting a quick, I mean, 30-second product testimonial until I made some money, and the bear was like, hey, dude, I got to have you talk about how you made, you know, five figures in less than 60 days. That's marketable. You're going to have to get up in front of the room and tell that story. And so I learned how to do that. And then all of a sudden, he's like, hey, I want you to present the product portion of the presentation. There's only about four or five slides back then. But, I mean, it was still like, oh, gosh, okay. Well, then I'm learning the comp plan. Then I'm presenting the comp plan. I'm saying all this when I was a distributor, not an owner of the company. Because, guys, I'll tell you, look, Dallas is starting to pop again. Houston is starting to really, really bubble again. We've got other people in other markets wanting Barry and I's time, which we, we uh, certainly want to support them. But we're two guys that can't be in four places at one time. I've got a presentation or a meeting today with a gentleman named Tony Brown, who's very well known in the Memorial City area. Old money, deep pockets, and he wants to meet with me about WBRX and CBD as a result of a, of a BizPAC meeting from Joseph. Well, I know Barry has a busy day at the office, so we're already having to divide and conquer. And if there's not a third person, one of you on this call, that can present the comp plan or sit down with somebody and do a 90-day action plan, then what happens is all of a sudden now you're waiting on us. And that's never a good thing, right? Like Barry said it beautifully just a moment ago, talking about being a tour guide. And that's one of the great takeaways I can always remember, that he's always building for me and I'm always building for him. And whether you guys know it, whether we tell you enough or not, guys, we're always building for you. I'm building for Joseph. I'm building for Jen. I'm building for Stony because you all bring different things to the table. If you've ever spent five minutes around Olga, you know, her laugh is infectious. It's hilarious. So I'm building for Olga. I'm building for Gail. Because people, again, if they're my people, if they're someone I've known for the last 10 years, you know, and I'm not trying to get preachy at you this morning, you know, but even the Bible says 
You just can't be a prophet in your own hometown. And what I think that really means, I think that's kind of a metaphor for you in your community, in your circle, you just don't have as much credibility sometimes, which is weird, as a complete stranger. Because, you know, your parents is a great example. You know, I, it's, it's funny that I have extended family members. Now I'm 44, I'm going to 45 years old, you know, and I've got cousins and aunts and uncles. They're only five or six years older than I am. But every now and then, you know, they like to say, oh, you know, I remember when I changed your diapers. Well, I guess that's an effort to kind of put me in my place that they're older than me or, or that they used to change my diapers and do me some favor, which I'm grateful for, don't get me wrong. You know, but it, it's just funny how people, you know, how people want to act and respond. So sometimes you have to know the psychology, not sometimes. You always need to be keenly aware of the psychology of the business. If this is your oldest, dearest friend, yeah, they'll come get you out of jail at 2 o'clock in the morning, but they may not invest with you. They may not believe that you're not trying to sell them on something, believe it or not. So there's a, there's a weird dynamic in the psychology of the business. But we all, all, no matter what it is, if I hear a good restaurant, you know, I hear about a good restaurant, but then I hear about it from a second person and then a third person, by about the third or maybe the fourth, I'm like, okay, I have to go to this restaurant. I have now heard two, three, four people tell me. But, you know, the first person that told me probably didn't get the due they were deserved. If Barry says to me, oh, man, had the best burger this weekend. You should try it out. Well, if it's an hour from me, I'm going to go, okay, cool. Thanks, Barry. If I'm in that part of town, I'll check out the burger joint. But if all of a sudden four, five, six, seven people are like, my God, that's the best burger I've ever had. Well, hell, now I'm kind of making a, a conscious decision. Well, do I want to drive across town? Do I want to make a purposeful trip to go eat this burger that seven people just told me was phenomenal? And I'm using a silly example but the psychology of it is very, very real. If Olga gets involved, and then Gail gets involved, and then, and then Melissa gets involved, and then they have a mutual friend, and all three of them are in the business, having success with the product, having success with the opportunity, and now three of them are talking to one friend versus one of them talking to one friend, it, there's just a psychology to how that, you know, how that affects that prospect. And so those are some of the things that you just need to remember and, and be mindful of. One of the other things that Barry made great mention of was talking about, you know, other people needing or, you know, being, having honorable jobs, you know, earning a wage. I was talking to him this morning before everybody else got on the call that my 16-year-old is kind of following my, in my um, oldest daughter's footsteps. She's at the, uh, working at the same gym that my daughter just, you know, just left when she moved. And, and so she's 16. She doesn't drive yet, had a driver at the gym, but she's earning a wage. And that's good. That's good for a 16-year-old to have, you know, well, one, just to have something to do on these summer days, and two, to earn income and to, to, to be generating, you know, an opportunity for her to just have some spending money and, you know, have to be somewhere on time and, um, you know, all of the things that go with, with having employment. But the conversations we're having are about her saving some of that money, about investing some of that money. You know, if she's ever wanted to start a business, and I'm not kidding, at 16 years old, she's got three or four ideas, and she is going to use her, you know, money from her J-O-B to capitalize a, a, an idea for, that she's got for an online business. And, and who knows what will ever happen, but what better time to explore that than 16 years old when that's really all you have to do? She's not got real bills. She obviously doesn't pay the mortgage or have a car note. So if she were to invest three or $400 in a business opportunity that she wanted to create and it failed, she's got this huge safety net because she's 16 years old. 
And, and so, you know, those are just some of the things that, that, that we do here. But one of the things that Barry said was he was talking about people having a job and he was talking about, you know, uh, uh, his neighbors, you know, not even being 100% sure, you know, here he said something about, you know, being independent, uh, self-employed and, and, and then not really understanding how he could, because I'll tell you, you know, Barry lives in a nice, nice neighborhood, lives in a nice house, Kara makes it a beautiful home. And, and so I'm sure his neighbors that, you know, work at Chevron or ExxonMobil or XYZ gas and oil company that make seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars a year, a million dollars a year. And, and, you know, Barry's living right next to him. And, you know, he's not traveling 270 days a year to foreign countries. And he's not in the, you know, driveway crying in his beer when, you know, oil goes from 70 something dollars like it is today to $30 a barrel. You know, I mean, we're just, we don't really understand that world. But conversely, they don't understand ours. And it's our responsibility, it's our opportunity not to sell them at all, but to at least inform them. I mean, like, if I were to bump in, say I was having lunch with Sony or Jen, and, or both of them, and somebody walks by and Jen says, oh, let me introduce you to Sarah. This is my hairdresser. Well, I immediately know what Sarah does, right? That's, her, that's Jen's hairdresser. Or that's Tony's you know, personal trainer or whatever. Do all of the people in your sphere of influence, and this is a rhetorical question, but I do want you to please think about it, do they all know what you do? Do they know what you do? I'm not saying have you sold them product. I'm not even saying have you sampled them. But do they know, do they know, oh, Jen, I haven't seen you in a long time. What are you up to these days? If there are people that would say that to you, you need to put those people on a list. And I only tell you that, guys. Again, I, I'm, I'm talking to you most times as uh, about when I was a distributor. So as you know, I worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Well, people used to call for favors all the time. Hey, I need a Cadillac for a wedding. Hey, I need a Suburban for a vacation I got coming up. Hey, it's going to be a beautiful weekend. Do you guys have any convertibles available? And they would call me, friends, family. I'd get them a discount if I could or, or just, you know, get them exactly what they wanted if, if I couldn't get them a discount, but I could get them that white Cadillac that they needed for the wedding, then it was still a solid favor, and I was happy to do it. Well, I had a wake-up call about two and a half or three years after I had, I had left Enterprise. I was a full-time distributor. I was making good money, and I would have people call me, hey, are you still at Enterprise? Can you get me a, a Suburban for the weekend? And I immediately I was like, God, Sean, I mean, they, they're comfortable enough with me to call me after having not spoken to them in two years and ask for a hookup, ask for a favor, try to get a little love from the enterprise guy, which I never minded, but I never had the audacity or the gumption or the courage or the, or the organization or the whatever, the, the intentionality, the focus to, to make the call first. A buddy of mine, I'll never forget, a buddy of mine named Dwight called and was like, man, I, when did you leave Enterprise? He worked for Enterprise, by the way. And he called me about something, you know, a favor that he needed internally. I said, oh, man, I'm, I'm not with the company anymore. And he's like, and he, he says to me, literally, he says, how did you get out? Not where did you go? What are you doing? He says to me, like, it's prison. How did you get out? And I said, brother, I met a guy, and I went to a meeting, and I tried some free product, and I met some more people, and I did a business plan, and I replaced my income on a very spare time, part-time basis. And as soon as I replaced my income with some consistency on a monthly basis, I resigned from Enterprise, and I never looked back. And I'll never forget, Dwight did not get involved with me. I, I, want, I want to emphasize that. He did not get involved in my business, but my story gave him the courage to start a business 
that he had always wanted to start, but he thought he had to quit to then start his business. He had never even considered the idea or the concept of starting that side hustle. And I don't even remember what it was, but starting it in his garage on a spare time, part-time basis. And my story, while it didn't really benefit me financially because he didn't become a distributor with me, he, he, I still talk to him all the time, and he's very successful. I, I cannot believe I can't remember what he does. But, but anyway, you understand the point is that, that my story affected him in that way, and that, and that is an honor, right? So we engage with people, and we talk with people through this journey that some of them are going to you know, tell you – I mean, I'd say right now, if Stoney were to quit the business tomorrow, God forbid, because I love the guy. He's so encouraging and uplifting, and I need some Stoney in my life. But if he were to quit the business tomorrow – I don't think Kim, his wife, would quit being a customer. I don't think there's a snowball chance in hell she'd quit being a customer, even if Stoney quit the business. So we're affecting lives in ways that we know about sometimes and often in ways that we don't know how, how deeply. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I've had some people share with me. And, and Barry, I want you to know that they, they shared with me about you. Did they get on these Monday calls? And it re- I mean, they had a horrible weekend or they're looking forward to a crappy week and they get on these calls. And just like it does for Barry and I, it puts a little wind in their sail. It gets them focused. They realize they're not alone with other issues like stress and anxiety and rejection. I mean, guys, we face – in this business, you face rejection every single day. But you are not alone in that, right? And that's the other thing I wanted to kind of conclude with is the psychology um, of, of people and the way, that they, the way that they think and how you, me, Barry, all of us cannot control – you know, some of the crazy mindsets. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I broke my phone, okay? So I'm kind of in the phone market. Barry and, and many of you guys have been giving me a hard time about converting from Droid to iPhone. And I'm considering, just so you know, you're, you're breaking through the old rock, and I'm considering getting an iPhone. Well, you know, as I talk to people about becoming a manager in the business, I have folks say, I just, man, I just don't have $1,500 right now. Well, by the way, it's not $1,500. It's, it's, it's minus your discount. Well, an iPhone, and I know because I'm looking, the new one is about 1300 bucks. Well, I have a hard time when I sit down with a prospect who's holding what I now know is a $1,300 iPhone, but telling me they cannot make a $500 or $1,000 or $1,500 investment in a business that will literally change their future. Literally can change the, the – I mean, look, I sent my kids – two of four so far, to college on it paid cash at, at Texas State University, about 80 grand for a four-year degree, and I now have a, a son and a daughter who have two degrees. I paid for them in cash because I took some money, and instead of buying a $1,300 iPhone, I started a business many, many years ago in something called the wellness industry, and it's paid off for me a 100 or a 1,000 times fold over what, you know, the investment in a cell phone would be, right? You know, healthy groceries, 50 bucks, too expensive. Won't go to Whole Foods, won't go to, won't go to uh, Trader Joe's, oh, it's too expensive. But it'll go out on a, on a date night, on a Friday night, and drop 100 bucks on a steak dinner and a bottle of wine. And I'm being obviously being very, very conservative. I know what a steak dinner and a bottle of wine really costs, but, but that's okay, right? I mean, I, I'm guilty of it, guys. When we're in a hurry, my kids love Chick-fil-A. Do you know what it costs at the drive-thru for myself and four kids at Chick-fil-A? I usually literally drop between $40 and $60, depending on what we get, 
at driving through for one meal at Chick-fil-A. But I'd been the person that said, oh, I don't, I don't shop at Trader Joe's. I don't, I don't shop at Whole Foods. That food's too expensive. It's all a mindset. It's stinking thinking, and you're not going to change it. You can talk to it. You can address it. You can put light on it. You can call forth, but you're not going to change it. The person is going to have to make the decision to change it. You know, let's, let's talk about time. Let's not make it about money. Learning a new skill. Oh, I wish I had time to learn Spanish. I wish I had time to practice my golf game. I wish I had time to blah, blah, blah. But then that same person will tell me, oh, man, I binge watch. I, I don't even know. I, don't, I watch so little TV. I binge watch Breaking Bad all weekend. I, I saw every episode. It makes me sad. I'm not judging them. That's their call. It's their time. I won't invest or spend my time on that crap ever. I just won't. And I'll, and I'll tell them that to their face. Now, when they say to me, but I love that show, I say, awesome. I think you need something that you love. I think you need something that you enjoy. I'm just sad in my, in my heart that it's a binge-watching of Breaking Bad or Grey's Anatomy instead of spending time with your kid or your elderly parents or volunteering at your church or investing in yourself, investing in the company, learning a new skill. But that's my issue. That's not, that's not their issue. If they're, all I can do is, is live my life and then lead them towards other options, and, and then they've got to do what they've got to do, right? So I would just tell you kind of in conclusion, guys, this business is really more about loving people. Well, let me back up. Let me just be honest, and, and, I'm, and I hope I'm not going off the rails here this morning. This business is first about loving yourself. It really is. You have got to take care of yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually. You need community. Take care of yourselves, guys, in this crazy crazy world. Please take care of yourself. But then it's also a great opportunity to help take care of others. It's a great opportunity to reach out to folks, let them know you love them. It's a great opportunity to let them know that you're here for them. It's a great opportunity. Maybe you just stop with some of your colleagues at looking better and feeling better. Just get them on product and let the, let the cards fall where they fall. But the riskiest thing, in my opinion, that you can do in this business and in life, and I'm not trying to be preachy, guys, but I am passionate about this, especially in this world and in this economy today, please do not place your well-being in someone else's hands. I'm going to say that again. The riskiest thing you can do is place your well-being in someone else's hands. So please don't rely on a job. I'm not saying don't have a job. I'm saying don't rely on a job. By all means, vote, please, but don't rely on politicians. I back the blue, God bless our police, but I don't rely on the police. Guys, I tell you, we're in the healthcare space, and I love our medical doctors, but I don't rely on a doctor for my overall well-being and my health, and I certainly don't rely on public education. So if you have children, know what they're being taught, know what they're being indoctrinated with, and if it aligns with your beliefs, more power to you. That's not what I'm talking about. But when they come home, and they're being taught things that are radically against your principles and your values, whatever those may be, put a stop to that. Get involved and take control of your life. Do not put your one life in anyone else's hands. So, guys, I would just tell you it's a great Monday. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful day coming off a wonderful Father's Day weekend. If you have kids or even if you're a step-parent, guys, I tell you, and I say even if as if that's less than, let me tell you, my step-parents were, were gifts to me. I have a stepmom and I have a stepdad, 
and my God, my life would not have turned out the way it did without them. So shout out to all the dads and all the stepdads. You're valuable, you're appreciated, and we love you. And with that, guys, we're going to have a great week where we're building for several upcoming events. They're on the website. Please let us know how we can help you. And Barry, I look forward to a fantastic day and a fantastic week with you, partner, and, uh, and I'll kick it back over to you. Thank you. Hey, Sean, great job. <clears throat> Excuse me, great job as always. <clears throat> good um, good takeaways and uh, good notes. And, guys, I just want to tell you, um, you know, if you're planning on attending that 29th event, it looks like we're going to be challenged for space. Uh, please make it a point to go on uh, to the website under events and, and just reserve your, your place. It's 20 bucks. Uh, really, that doesn't even cover the drinks. But needless to say, uh, it'll probably be a, a booked-out event. I mean, I, I'm looking at the numbers of folks that are already enrolled and that are they're coming and the ones that are bringing new people. We don't want you to be in a circumstance where you've gone out, you've done the work, and you have some new people you want to bring, and we just don't have a seat for them. So please uh, make it a point of doing that. And we'll, uh, you know, we, we've already got a larger room uh, to accommodate the group, but um, now as we start to move into our event venues and we start to build some momentum, please make it a point uh, to go on reserve. Even if you don't have your guests secured yet, get your place reserved, and you'll find that it's a lot easier for you to get your guests to come once you've already made the commitment. So with that said, guys, thank you so much for the time that you've, uh, that you've offered uh, out, of your, out of your day uh, in this morning uh, to be able to go through the, to give us a chance to share information with you. We look so forward to every opportunity that we have. And, guys, we're going to have a phenomenal week as we lead into the conclusion of June. Uh, and we look forward to every opportunity that we can to share more information to get with you uh, in any way that we can, your prospects, and help you continue to grow and build your business. So with that, thank you so much. God bless. Have a great week. We'll talk with you soon. Bye-bye.